You're listening to MLB.com Extras, brought to you by MLB.tv. It's baseball everywhere. It is eight days and counting until Turkey Day, one of my favorite holidays and perhaps a favorite holiday of Adam Berry, too. Adam, our Pirates reporter, joining us here uh, once again. And, Adam, it's been a while as we uh, last talked, uh, I believe, on the – about the week leading up to the end of the uh, regular season. And, of course, we're living in a whole new world now where the Chicago Cubs uh, from the NL Central, of course, are the reigning World Series champions, uh, words we thought we would never hear or utter. But uh, I got want to find out from, you know, from your perspective and from the Pirates' uh, fan base perspective, I know that, you know, a lot of fans, when their team is not in it, you kind of hit your wagon to another team. You kind of pull for a team for whatever reason. So, do you feel Pirates fans were rooting for the Cubs somewhat, or is there still that, you know, division rivalry where you don't want to see another division opponent succeed and they were therefore kind of pulling for the Indians? Yeah, I think it was kind of a weird a weird World Series from the Pittsburgh perspective because obviously, you know, you don't want to see this what looks like a Cubs dynasty kind of come into form. Um, and that, you know, that is obviously the case, and that's what happened. And probably what the Pirates are going to have to deal with in the Central for the next couple of years. But at the same time, there's still kind of a weird anti-Cleveland thing in Pittsburgh, you know, kind of the Rust Belt uh, competitors, the old, you know, Brown Steelers thing. So I guess more people probably sided with Cleveland um, than, than the Cubs, just because of what the Cubs kind of represent for the Pirates, uh, not only the last couple of years with the wild card game last year, but then, you know, going forward, it could be pretty tough competition for the Pirates. Yeah, that's a good point that uh, this does not appear to be a you know one-and-done thing with the Cubs. They have uh, so much young talent, and they're so good, and they're on top of the mountain right now, so it could be a, an uphill battle for not just the Pirates but the other three teams besides the Cubs uh, in the NL Central for uh, years to come. Adam, were you, uh, were you at the World Series? And if not, uh, you know, when people – who don't work in baseball ask me about game seven. I say that uh, in my lifetime, it's, it's easily maybe one of the top two or three games that's ever taken place again uh, in my life. What about yours? Yeah. I mean, I would say it's probably maybe the best game as far as significance and the actual dramatics of it, the rain delay there at the very end and how much that added to just sort of the, the lore of the whole thing, you know, that neither team could possibly win a world series. I think it's probably the most dramatic uh, biggest game that, that I've seen that's happened in my lifetime, but I can tell you that a lot of people around here would disagree with it as far as being the best game seven of all time, because there is a guy named Bill Mazeroski <laughs> who hit a pretty big home run for the Pirates in game seven of the World Series, still the only walk-off home run in World Series game seven history. So I'm just going to throw that out there. Yeah, and that's amazing because uh, Joe Carter's in 93, that was game six, correct? Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, Mazeroski in uh, Game 7, 1960, to beat the Yankees, uh, no less. Uh, that is a moment that uh, that's going to be tough to top, uh, not just for baseball but for the Pirates, too. So, uh, yeah, a lot of lot of good games in that span. Uh, 91 Game 7 between Jack Morris and John mm-hmm. Smoltz is up there, too. You can't uh, discount that. But uh, this Game 7 between the Cubs and Indians are uh, pretty epic indeed. Adam, getting back to the uh, business at hand uh, with the Pirates and their offseason, I know that uh, something we discussed at length was that uh, this this rotation had a complete makeover from game one to game 162. When you look at uh, kind of the guys that seem to be shoe-ins for the 2017 rotation, you're talking Jamison Tyone, you're talking Garrett Cole. Outside of that, and you, you throw in a Bon Nova who was so great, but he's a free agent, how do you see the Pirates, uh, you know, rebuilding and fortifying this rotation for 2017? 
Yeah, I think you're right that Garrett Cole and Jamison Tyone are the, are the shoe-ins. You'll see them uh, number one and two. And that's a pretty good top of the rotation, I think, for, for any team. Uh, it's something that the Pirates can count on for the next couple of years. I think you'll see Chad Cool, who showed some pretty good signs um, in his rookie season. You'll see him somewhere at the back of the rotation. The Pirates love those pitchers who can you know, throw ground balls, and that is very much Chad Cool's strength. Uh, I think you'll see one spot made up of another young pitcher, whether it's you know, Tyler Glasnow, uh, Trevor Williams, Stephen Brault, Drew Hutchison, one of those guys seems like kind of a lock for that uh, fourth spot. But they still need somebody for that third spot in the rotation, and it's not going to come easy because this is a really brutal market uh, as far as free agents go for, for starting pitching. And they could use an advantage there. It's something they had you know, in the previous couple of years with guys like A.J. Burnett, uh, and Francisco Liriano to a certain extent, Edinson Volquez, and then Jay Happ at the end of 2015. So they need to, to fill that third spot in the rotations, kind of a void right now. Uh, a lot of people basically feel like that's going to determine, you know, whether their offseason is a success or not and whether or not they're a contender come 2017 because if the rotation goes, you know, too deep with some question marks at the back end, that's a whole different ballgame than if you're talking about three solid, you know, dependable guys who give you a chance to win every single time out. So I think Nova is an option. Um, the recent report, I think his agent said on MLB Network Radio that they've received offers in the three-year $36 million range. It's probably an encouraging sign for the Pirates because they gave a little bit more to that than that to uh, Francisco Liriano a couple of years ago. So I think until they're officially declared out of that market, you have to at least consider them in. Yeah, that's a good point that they gave uh, more money to uh, Liriano, and uh, it's a small sample size, but Nova so far in his tenure with the Pirates has been a more accomplished pitcher uh, than Liriano was certainly uh, when he was with the Pirates last year uh, prior to the trade uh, with Toronto. So as you said, Adam, given the fact that the, the pitching, the starting pitching market is, uh, is very thin in free agency this year, does that uh, inspire the Pirates a little bit more to perhaps overpay slightly for a guy that, let's face it, is a number three starter, and that could, you know, that could work in Nova's favor. But do you think the Pirates would maybe bite the bullet here a little bit and say, you know what, there's not a lot of options out there. This is a guy we really need. Yeah, I don't think it's really within their system to, to overpay to make an emotional kind of decision. So I wouldn't expect them to overpay, especially in terms of dollars and years. The last thing they really need is a contract that's going to hamper them into the future. He saw the only way they really have with their lower payroll. The only way out of that is a trade like the Francisco Liriano deal, which is not something they can really afford to do a ton of in the future, you know, parting ways with pretty good prospects just basically to unload a salary. Um, I think, you know, you could see then maybe do they turn to the trade market, but it's pretty well documented that in a thin free agent market, the price for trades is also going to, to rise a little bit. And I don't think they want to part with any of their top prospects, uh, you know, guys like Austin Meadows or even a, a Josh Bell or Kevin Newman, Mitch Keller, to get a, a starting pitcher for really the need is, is one or two years. So it, it's kind of a tough market for them to be, you know, needing a starter. It's a situation where you'd feel a lot more comfortable if you had, honestly, a Francisco Liriano still under contract because if you look at what they might be searching for in this market, it'd probably be, you know, a short-term deal for a veteran uh, proven to be able to pitch some innings, uh, you know, with some upside. And really that is Francisco Liriano under contract for two years and $26 million, uh, shown kind of number one, number two upside uh, with the ability to pitch 170, 180 innings. So 
it is a little bit ironic when you look at it. You know that that's basically the guy they just traded away because uh, they thought he, you know, wasn't going to be effective going forward in the National League. But that is kind of the model I think that you that you look for as far as what they're searching for this offseason. Yeah, it's 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 a balancing act uh, for sure between uh, you know the years, the money, and the prospects that you you know may give up or not want to give up in the trade market at least. Uh, but we'll see what happens. I think, like you said, it's encouraging that uh, at the end of the season. I think most Pirates fans were resigned to the fact that Nova's a goner. But now, when you mm-hmm. hear what his agent's saying about, you know, the neighborhood of 3-36, and 36, that's something the Pirates could do. And maybe uh, he is a full-time guy in that rotation in 2017. We will find out. Uh, Adam, to begin to wrap up here, you know, I uh, just want to get your thoughts on Andrew McCutcheon. To me, it's remarkable that in a span of 12 months, this guy goes from the undisputed, unmistakable face of this franchise, a former MVP, the, you know, the absolute, like I said, the, the central piece of this Pirates team to a guy that many fans are saying, you know what, what can we get for Andrew McCutcheon? It's it's incredible to me. Yes, he had a down season in 2016, but he's human. He's still Andrew McCutcheon. What are your thoughts on this entire thing, the attitude towards McCutcheon, and whether or not he's going to be back with this team in 2017? That's, that's a statement that at one time seemed unthinkable. Yeah, it's so bizarre how quickly this turned, really, just because he had – you know, a bad four months. You look at it, he was fine in August and September. The defensive numbers probably are a little bit more concerning because he doesn't look like a guy based on those metrics and the ascension of Starling Marte that you want to have in center field uh, next season. So that adds kind of a whole different wrinkle to this conversation. But, yeah, I, I don't think the Pirates are looking to uh, shop Andrew McCutcheon. In fact, I know they're not shopping him as in trying to get rid of him. Uh, but they're going to listen, and that's kind of – uh, you know, that's something they might have had to do even if he was coming off of a good year, if not uh, even more so if he was coming off of a good year, because uh, when you're sort of a team that has to survive on a smaller payroll, you know, that's how you uh, capitalize on assets is flipping them when they're, you know, nearing the end of their contracts, uh, coming off of, uh, you know, at their at the peak of their trade trade value. And that's not the case with McCutcheon right now, which is why I don't think you're going to see him dealt this off season. I think the Pirates are going to find that they have a, different assessment of McCutcheon's value than other clubs might because, you know, they still view him as a guy who will bounce back and be, once again, an MVP-type player. Um, And I don't know if other clubs are going to see him that way when they look at the performance that he's coming off of overall in 2016. Um, But it's definitely an interesting uh, thing to to keep an eye on this offseason. It's probably the story of the Pirates offseason, whether or not he's available in the trade just how available he is you know what the pirates could get back because there is the argument that if you could get that number three starter for mccutcheon uh, you know a number two number three type you know you could technically get by without him you could put starling Marte in center uh, move gregory polanco to left or keep him in right and uh, find a short-term solution in the other outfield corner until top prospect austin meadows is ready so there's really a lot at play in, in the andrew mccutcheon conversation right now but Overall, it is kind of hard to believe that, you know, I think when I probably first started doing this podcast, we were talking about making McCutcheon a pirate for life with a, you know, lifetime contract extension. And now here we are, November, and we're talking about a potential McCutcheon trade. It's, it's unreal. I mean, it just goes to show what a brutal uh, sports and, uh, and business this is that, you know, uh, one down year and suddenly here come the vultures and they, they want to see what they can get in return for you. They want to send you elsewhere, see you in another uniform, and it's, It's very much a what-have-you-done-for-me-lately industry as uh, we're finding out the hard way, the harsh way, as Mm -hmm. far as uh, Andrew McCutcheon. 
And uh, Adam, like you said, something to keep an eye on during the next couple months uh, leading up to 2017 for sure. Uh, Adam, I don't know if we'll speak again before Thanksgiving as today is November 16th. Uh, so outside of Turkey, which is always the main attraction, what is your favorite Thanksgiving fixin', I guess? Oh, man. Um, um, uh, my my in-laws make a really good uh, green bean casserole. I know that's oh probably a really unpopular pick, <laughs> but uh, my wife's mother makes a really good green bean casserole. That is always a highlight of our trip down there. And we're actually not going back down to Florida this year, so we're going to try to recreate it up here in Pittsburgh. So oh that'll uh, that'll be interesting. Yeah, it's all task. It's it's tough to duplicate. Uh, you know the the efforts of the in laws uh, for the for the holidays where the food is concerned. But I wish you luck, and I wish you and your family and your friends a great Thanksgiving, Adam. Uh, thanks for the time. We'll do it again soon. Thanks a bunch. All right, thank you. All right, Matt Waymar signing off for MLB.com Extras, Pittsburgh Pirates. MLB.tv Premium, the number one live streaming sports service, is celebrating 13 years. Watch every out-of-market regular season game live or on demand in true HD. Real-time highlights, live look-ins, pitch tracking widget, and more. MLB.tv Premium includes a free At-Bat 15 subscription. Watch live baseball on over 400 mobile and connected devices. Watch at home, in the office, or on the go. Every night, on every device. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Visit MLB.tv for details.